what is your killer strategy? The one that gives your business the ultimate bulletproof competitive advantage. Welcome to Your Advantage Play with your host, Joel Block. Former professional blackjack player and card counter who left Las Vegas and spent his life in that giant casino on Wall Street in the hedge fund and venture capital businesses. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. We are already fast. We answer emails fast, we deliver fast, and we work fast. If we go any faster, quality might suffer. How can we get faster in a world that values speed in every way? To answer that and a host of other questions, Jay Bear. Jay, welcome to the show. How's it going? Fantastic to be here, Joel. Appreciate the time. Hey, listen, um, this this little book that you wrote, and this uh, it's a teeny little book. It's it's less than an hour read. It is a fascinating little thing. Uh, says that we have to move faster because responsiveness equals revenue. Indeed, that's the premise, right? Indeed, absolutely. Uh, tell us, tell us, tell us why. Just start with that. Here's what happened. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, you well know that there was all these business trends, right? Great resignation, quiet quitting. People not wanting to come back to the office because they don't want to sit in traffic to commute. Um, leisure travel. You heard of this one, uh, business and leisure travel combined. We take your kids to the conference. So you double dip the trip. Uh, baseball games, 30 minutes shorter because they got a pitch clock now. Like I was sitting there. I'm like, all these trends are the same trend. And the trend is that we care about time and how we spend it more than ever. So this is my seventh book. And every time I write a book, I, I, I make sure to validate it with research. And this isn't just, I did a survey monkey. This is a very expensive, very comprehensive university level research pegged to the US census, et cetera. And indeed it turns out that it is true. We do care about time more than ever. In fact, two thirds of customers say now that they care about speed as much as they care about price. Now, in most businesses, speed has been an important part of their formula for a long time. I mean, most businesses are not intentionally slower. They wouldn't still be in business. But what we found in this research is that customers have now elevated speed and responsiveness to the very top of their priority list. And most businesses have not matched that new set of expectations. So the reason the book is called The Time to Win is that you have an actual opportunity right now probably two years, I would guess, a two-year window to embrace speed and responsiveness and use that as a distinct competitive advantage to give customers what they want, which is everything faster, in a way that your competition is not yet prepared to do. But Joel, I'm telling you, in three years, this podcast should just get deleted because it will be ridiculous because every business will do this because their customers will simply force them to eventually. So what, so what you're saying is that there's just there's a ramp-up time where everybody's going to get faster and eventually everybody will be fast. Yeah, you're not going to have a choice. I mean, I mean, it, I mean it's the, already the happened, right? right? You think about where we were even five years ago versus where we are now. It's already happening. But but eventually your customers will drag you kicking and screaming to this place of, of speed as the number one criteria of customer experience. If you do it now before your competition does it, you will have a window to eat their lunch. Uh, and I think it's about 24 to 30 months. You know, there, there are certain things that I noticed that have gotten very, very fast. And, mm -hmm. and for example, uh, because of artificial intelligence, apps are being written or 
software is being written by computers, which makes it happen much faster than it ever happened before. Uh, mobile apps are being developed. So when, uh, when I built my startup company years ago, uh, we took a year or two and we made it happen. Now the same thing would probably be built in a week. And, and it just, it's unimaginably fast. So um, is that all part of the same trend, do you think? It's part of it. So customer expectations around speed continue to escalate. And there's two reasons for that. One, the world in which we live in now allows us, mostly because of technology and certainly AI is at the vanguard of it, it allows us to do things faster. And so when everything gets done faster, we think that everything can be done faster yet. So some of it's just attitudinal based on the fabric of the world in which we live. The other part of it is that when you value your time more, you care about speed more. So we're at this interesting confluence where not only is technology allowing things to go faster, but because we value our time more, we want things to go faster. So what we talk about in the book is that if you give your customers time, they will give you money. If you cost your customers time, it will cost you money. And the data is very clear on this. Uh, when people think that companies are respecting their time, they will reward those companies with money. So let me understand, though, um, is this a blanket statement or does this apply to some businesses more than other businesses? For example, blanket statement across the board. Absolutely. In fact, I would argue sometimes people say, well, Jay, this seems like a really B2C construct, right? That, that for consumer businesses, I understand that consumers want things faster, but I run a complex B2B business. Speed's not important to us or not as important. And I think the exact opposite is the case. And here's why. This isn't really about speed. Okay. It's about respect. The reason we care about time and how we spend it more than ever is that we found ourselves in a place in society where we interpret responsiveness as respect. We interpret speed as caring. And in the research, we found that 85% of companies, or of customers, I should say, 85% of customers say that speed is a critical factor in their loyalty to any company. Of course it is, because when they are more responsive, you're like, hey, they actually care about me, they care about my money, they care about my livelihood, they care about my success, I wanna to continue to work with them. And so in B2B, where many B2B companies, of course, are grounded in renewable customer revenue, this idea of customers noticing how responsive you are, and that reducing churn rate and increasing retention, which of course then compounds your growth, is a playbook that absolutely should be followed. Listen, I get uh, you want to respond fast to emails. At, at the very least, I can't give you a complete answer right now, but I will be back to you by tomorrow. I mean, at least tell them something. I mean, you don't have to give them the full answer. You don't have to rush. Um, but uh, it just seems to me that partly it's about speed, but partly it's about timing. Timing is different than speed. Like if you're at a restaurant, you don't want all restaurants to be fast. Like if you're at a steakhouse, you might want them to take their time. Yeah. And then yeah. what that means is they you want them to match the timing of your experience with the delivery of the food, et cetera. Right. I mean, so. Yep. The way we talk about that in the book is it's not necessarily about raw speed. It's about speed versus expectations. 
So you're exactly right. I, I I had the opposite scenario. I went to a Mexican food restaurant here in Indiana, which in and of itself is probably a questionable decision because it's not really a home of <laughs> authentic Latino cuisine. But, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. So I go to this restaurant and I ordered chicken enchiladas. And Joel, they brought me chicken enchiladas, I swear to you, in like 90 seconds. It was staggeringly fast. And it was actually too fast. Because I was like, there's no way they made these, right? Was there, is there an enchilada machine? Did somebody else order them? Like, oh no, I want beef. And so they were waiting on the hot window for the next guy to order it. Like something was up, right? It was so fast that I distrusted the enchiladas, right? You don't want to go to the fastest tattoo artist in your town either. That's right. So you can be too fast, right? You can be too fast. But if you're going to be slow on purpose, a steakhouse, for example, or Cheesecake Factory, right, which has such a large menu, you're never going to be in and out of there quickly. It's okay because customers know what to expect. So a lot of this is about expectation management, which is something that most companies do not do as well as they should. Yeah, I mean, I guess that like in a restaurant, you could just ask the customer what kind of pacing they want this to happen at. It'd be so great if that happened more than it does. And you're yeah. exactly right. It's such a smart uh, pickup that that if you, and not only that, this is sort of an aside from a different book I wrote, but also asking customers what contact modality they prefer. You know, so often businesses are like, well, we prefer phone and email. I don't care what you prefer. You should be communicating to the customer with the technology that they prefer. Yeah. And you should ask them, How, what do you want? Do you want me to get back to you via phone, email, hostage note, text message, smoke signal, like what, let them pick. Same thing is true with speed and responsiveness. It would be great if customers can say, I want to fast play this or slow play this, to use a, a poker analogy. Here's how I, I talk about that in the book. One of the best ways to make money fast with this principle is to offer a fast pass, to give your customers an opportunity to pay more to skip the line. The research shows that one in four customers, one in four, will pay as much as 50% more to not wait. You should give them that choice. TSA pre is a fast pass, right? Um, you should have your own TSA pre in your business. Yeah, that's listen. I think that's a fantastic idea. I love that. I want to ask the question about uh, you know the uh, the Iron Triangle: good, fast, cheap. You know, you got these mm -hmm. three pillars that things stand on. And when you start leaning on speed, that means you you have to sacrifice something. So you don't get all three: good, fast, and cheap. You get right. to pick two of the three. So how do you reconcile? Uh, you know, picking two, you know, if speed is always one of them, how do you decide what the other one is going to be? Yeah, you nailed it. You you decide. Uh, I've talked I talk about this on stage a little bit. It used to be good, fast, cheap, pick any two. Now it doesn't make any sense be because now speed is non-negotiable, right? Speed, speed is not really an optional exercise uh, for most businesses because customers demand it now in a way they didn't used to. So you get to pick though. You get to pick whether you're, you're fast and inexpensive uh, and you keep quality as high as you can or you're, you're, you're fast and high quality and you charge a little more. You got to kind of pick one. Like, like time is money has been a, a phrase for what, 100 years? It was never true. But it is true now because customers will literally reward you for being faster. One of the craziest things we found in this research, Joel, is that half, half of all customers will hire whomever contacts them first, regardless of price. You know, I was trying to think about my own experience. Uh, I would say as a vendor... I believe that to be true. If, if I respond faster and kind of get the wheels spinning a little faster, that's probably true. But, you know, I also am a little forgiving about certain kinds of vendors who I know are maybe more artistic, 
or or require a little more time. Mm -hmm. In fact, like that enchilada example, I'll kind of penalize somebody who's a little too fast because sure. I know they weren't thorough and thoughtful in thoughtful and the way that they're thinking about whatever the project is that I need mm -hmm. them to do. So, but yeah, and they, I think that's they, because they, you said you said an important thing. You said twice there. If I know that, dot dot dot. Yeah. So again, it's about expectation management and expectation setting. The fact that you know that they are more artistic or less artistic or that they should need more time to do this because it's a custom sofa or it's an artisanal thing, that's the that's the secret, right? Is is if you know that, you will you will provide that extra grace period around speed and responsiveness. But it is astonishing how few businesses assume that the customer knows that it takes a while because they make everything from scratch. Customer doesn't know that, or if they do, they've forgotten it, right? And so almost every company should do a much better job than they do now, sort of documenting their own story, right? Like here's why it takes us a while, or here's why we can do it fast. It doesn't matter, but making sure that the customer knows what they're in for. Yeah. So it seems like uh, if fast has become uh, kind of a uh, kind of an anti, you know, I mean, it's it's a short-term competitive advantage because it's eventually everybody's going to kind of be at the same place. Um, then maybe the real competitive advantage is the expectation setting that happens around that. That uh, hey, you know, that this is what happens, and this is yeah. why it's going to take a little while. Or you know, I mean, like I would be very unhappy to find out that uh, my graphic artist rushed and didn't do things the way you know. Or alternatively, if if she did rush, which she does not, uh, I might value her work less. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's an interesting point. Uh, you've got to decide, like anything else from a marketing standpoint, you have to decide what your positioning is. And and your responsiveness should match your overall positioning. And then your explanation of that positioning should also resonate with, with the customer. One of the biggest challenges, in addition to just not setting speed expectations, is this idea of an uncertainty gap, what I talk about in the book, that the uncertainty gap is the difference between what you know about your operations and what the, and what the customer knows. And in a lot of businesses, that uncertainty gap is huge. And it didn't used to really matter, but now it really does because customers, A, hate to wait, and B, hate to be underinformed in ways that are really much greater than they used to be. And I learned the hard way this lesson. I used to own a, a very large global strategy firm, and I sold it a couple of years ago. And I realize now, after the fact, that I was actually really bad at this uncertainty gap premise we would get paid a bunch of money to do a global digital marketing strategy for some big brand. And they'd pay us a bunch of money. And then my team and I would go into our workshop and we would build out a strategy and it would take 75 days or so. We knew exactly what we were doing. We had a day-to-day -day project plan to make sure we hit the delivery date, that it was high quality, et cetera. We knew all the different nuances, et cetera. But I realized now we made a big mistake, Joel, which is that we did not communicate that to the client with really any degree of granularity at all. So they'd be like, here's your money. And we just like disappear for a couple months. And we were super busy, but they didn't know that. I realized now what they were thinking is, hey, are these guys actually doing the strategy? Do they take the money and move to Barbados? Like what is happening? And, and it's such an easy thing to forget day to day because you get wrapped up in your own business. And that idea of closing the uncertainty gap, it doesn't make you any faster, but it changes the perception of your responsiveness dramatically. You know, so what, what I'm hearing you say, though, is that responsiveness 
is what has to be fast. You have to communicate with people. It's not the delivery that has to be fast. So you don't necessarily have to sacrifice quality and the other things, but you have to tell people, look, this is going to take, you know, three or four weeks or three or four days or whatever the period of time is. Uh, and as long as they understand that, they will generally be patient, but you have to communicate with them yes. fast. And it also helps to communicate along the way. That's the piece, sort of this uncertainty gap piece that gets forgotten. Sometimes business owners will say, okay, well, I told them it's going to be four weeks and they feel like their work is done. And certainly telling them it's going to be four weeks is better than telling them nothing, no question. But the best practice is to tell them it's going to be four weeks and then give them an update every week. So the customer never has that anxiety of, I don't know exactly what's going on here, because that's the part that not only creates a lot of angst amongst the customers, but it changes how responsive they perceive you to be, right? So the, the expectation versus reality changes the perception of responsiveness, and that perception actually then gets spit back to you when it's time to renew. You know, interestingly enough, um, I have actually turned the tables on a lot of these discussions in my business with the clients that I have by giving them control of the timing. So for example, what I'll say is, look, uh, you have to accomplish a certain, I call it a homework. It's not really like a homework, like an elementary school, but you know, I need you to, uh, to write a paragraph and describe something so that I can then take it to the next level, whatever that is. Here's a link to my calendar. When you're done, then you put link, you, you put an appointment on my calendar and we will work. So and they go, well, how long is the process going to take? I said, well, you know, if you're fast, it could take two weeks. If you're slow, it could take six months. So really the timing is in your hands. And that really has worked for me. And uh, people seem to like it. And if I don't hear from them in a couple of weeks, amazing. I reach out it's, to them. It's fantastic because they no longer have any room to bitch. Right? It's like you, you're the one who set the timeline. It wasn't me. If you're late, <laughs> it's your responsibility. Now, there are some businesses that don't deliver a, a, a product or a service that really uh, is is flexible in the way that that yours is, uh, but I, I I love that idea. Like, let them choose. That way, they've set their own expectations. Yeah, yeah, and it really works. And then right up front, when they say how long is the process going to take, you know what? If you work fast, it'll go fast. I will always take twenty four hours, no matter what. You have to give me twenty four hours to read your material, digest it, prepare, and get ready for a meeting. But uh, you know, but if you if you want a meeting every single day submit something to me every single day. Yep. Yeah, I actually talked to somebody uh, the other day who has a services business and it was a similar sort of note that they wanted to allow clients to pick their own speed, but then clients would often say, well, I, you know, what's realistic? Like what's, re what do other people do? And it was, they just couldn't quite grasp it. So my advice was, and you may not have enough projects to kind of do this in, in this way visually, but my advice was, okay, take your last 50 clients, figure out exactly how long it did take, and then put it on a graph. Just give them a, give them a plotter graph that says, okay, here's the last 50 projects and how long each took. Now you got a sense of what's realistic and somewhere you're going to be somewhere in here. And now you can see what the reality was. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I will tell people is something like, uh, you know, uh, the fastest this ever happened is like this. It normally happens like this. Yeah. And I'd like to keep you on a pace where we talk at least once a week. And, yep. you know, so I kind of give them an expectation about a Good. pace that, that kind of works and then we'll get through and, you know, in whatever 60 or 90 days, whatever the process is. So uh, that sort of seems to work pretty well. Yeah, I love it. And, and, you know, we have a six piece framework in the book, you know, specific things that you can do in your business starting right now to start to capitalize on this 
correlation between responsiveness and revenue. Again, as we've been talking about, speed's always been important. I'm not suggesting that speed's not important to you or listeners or anybody else. If, if you're a listener to this show, you're obviously running a good business and you care about speed. What we're saying is that the data show quite clearly that speed has now been elevated on the priority list. Speed and responsiveness have been elevated on the priority list by customers. And so you've got to retune your own operations accordingly. And if you can do that, if you can make that happen, and you can, we give you formulas to do it. If you can make that happen, your competition probably won't. And if you can make it stick, you will have a distinct competitive advantage. Because again, customers hire whoever contacts them first, and they retain companies who they view to be responsive. So this this will actually equal business success if you embrace it. You know, I, I wonder at what point what you're calling a competitive advantage just becomes an ante. Just just becomes Oh, it will, for sure. I mean it just no becomes question eventually. You know, table stakes. That's what I said. I mean, this this podcast, you just delete it in three years because it'll be ridiculous. Yeah, you know. Uh, an see, it ain't now. It ain't Annie now. Trust me, because I've talked to 500 businesses about this this year. It's not an Annie now, but it will be. Yeah, I hear that. You know, as I sit and think about this in the last 50 years, what caused this to happen? It's not just the pandemic. I think the pandemic has kind of accelerated this a little bit. Yes. But the thing that comes to me right off the top of my head is in the, the late 1980s, fax was a brand new thing. And we used to, you know, mail a package to an attorney uh, on the on, on the other coast. We were on those on the West Coast, let's see, in New York. And that, that attorney would take two weeks to look at the paperwork. Then they'd mail the stuff back. And maybe the loop was six weeks. And then fax came along. And all of a sudden, the whole transportation of the whole thing disappeared. And it took two weeks out of a, out of a two or three or four week cycle. And so it reduced it very dramatically. That was that was an enormous a reduction of time that uh, made a big difference. And then there's been one technology after the next. That's it. Faster and faster. That's it. Yeah. No, no new technology allows communication to go more slowly. Uh, that that's that's for sure, right? It's always faster, faster. I, we when in my uh, the first place I worked coming out of school, we had uh, a woman who just manage the faxes like that was her job was like fax wrangler right i mean it was, it was like you know and the and the, roll, the the paper on the scroll right so it'd get all it'd get all rolled up you have to like unscroll it it was like a whole thing it was a job fax well, wait, wait, a, wait a second and if you didn't look at the paper fast enough the ink would evaporate remember that yeah it was like it was like a harry potter trick it was really <laughs> something uh those those were the days and you know like, look impossible really <laughs> you and i are old enough to remember um Oh, on one hand, you think back and and it was frustrating because if you needed an answer from a client, you couldn't get an answer, you know, for two or three days. Alternatively, you couldn't get an answer for two or three days, right? So just the pace of everything was different. And I think your overall anxiety level and your overall sort of amount of pressure was probably less than it probably feels like today. Well, but, but understand that people didn't expect you to answer them in 30 seconds. They expected that it would take uh, three or four days for a letter to leave the mailbox, get to the next person, then they That's have to it. open it, sits on their desk for a day or so. And, you know, the expectation was, okay, I'll get back in a week or two. That's it. Yeah, the world around us dictates our, our speed expectations. Like, I talk about this on stage a lot, um, this idea of closing uncertainty gaps and making sure you know what's going to happen, uh, you know, post-purchase. We remember a time before you could order transportation on an app. 
and you would have to telephone for a taxi, yeah? And so you'd have to use a phone or even a pay phone back in the day, and you'd put in a quarter or even a dime back in the old days, and, and you would just keep pressing the phone number, and then somebody would be like, this is Lou, and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to, I need to get to the airport, and, and here's what they'd say, okay, he'll be by to get you. And that was all the information you were allowed to have. Like, which taxi is yours? Don't know. When's he coming? No idea. What's it going to cost? Won't tell you till you get in the car. Like, you had no information at all. And now, of course, you know, you get an Uber, you know, to the penny what it's going to cost. You've got the guy's blood type. You know, you got his license plate number. You've got an icon of the car so you can yell at the phone if he's going down a one way. It's it's a much different scenario in terms of uncertainty and and consumer level data and being sort of in the loop. But but you know, in the in the payphone days, we were okay with it because we had no alternative. Right now we, we, we do. We didn't know anything different. That that was no different. And and then when uh, when email came along, uh, all of a sudden it got even faster. And, yep. you know, it just, it kept getting faster and faster, uh, you know, and, and, and of course we can't really imagine what thing is going to be coming next, but, uh, telepathy, my next book will be about telepathy. Well, <laughs> you know what, uh, I'm, I'm very telepathic and I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> so what's the, um, what's the angle that companies need to, uh, need to take? I mean, it, it, we're talking about responsiveness, which is really communication, more so than the factory and the other parts. What are really the things companies need to focus on to really kind of master this skill? Yeah, so the we talked about being too fast, right? 90-second enchiladas. And certainly you can be too slow, slower to respond to anything than customers anticipate you should be. And some of that's expectation setting, some of it's just not being fast enough. So what you're trying to seek in your business is what I call the right now. The right now. The right now is the perfect amount of elapsed time in every customer interaction throughout the totality of the customer's relationship with you. Not too fast, not too slow. It's like the Goldilocks zone for responsiveness. That's what you're trying to seek. And so the, the right way to do that is to first do an audit and an analysis and figure out, well, how long does everything take today? You talked about this in your own business, Joel, that you kind of have a sense of, well, sometimes it'll take a week and sometimes it'll take a month, sometimes it'll take a year. You, you have a pretty good handle on that. A lot of businesses don't have as good a handle on that as you think they might. Because I asked them, I said, well, how long does it take on average somebody to get an invoice from you, right? And they say, well, sometimes it's two days, sometimes it's four days. Now you need math. You need to know like an average, like a median, a mean. If you're going to optimize around responsiveness and use the right now as a competitive business advantage, which you can and should, you got to start off knowing what your actual metrics are today. And most people actually haven't done that analysis yet. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. You know, I um, I just think in terms of responsiveness that that is really one of the places that companies fall down. You call some of these large companies, uh, you know, they outsource to uh, to other countries where people answer the phone. It takes a long time. Then they got to go off the line for three minutes or five minutes to to look up an appointment and see. It just seems ridiculous that in an era of computers that you know they wouldn't be able to do something instantaneously and be able to just be right online and find an appointment when, when a service technician can come over to your place or whatever needs to happen. It just doesn't seem excusable that things take five minutes in a world where, you know, where things are instant nowadays. Could, couldn't agree more. It's kind of why I wrote the book, you know, but the reality is most organizations have not fully understood and or believed 
that the correlation between responsiveness and revenue is real. And I have the data to prove it. This is no longer a question. It's just whether or not you choose to do something about the answer. Well, the, right? so the question that I have as a consumer, and, and, and most of these interactions are would be consumer interactions for me with larger companies. Uh, you know, it's like, well, what choice do you have? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I ordered service from a company the other day and they took 20 minutes to answer the phone and you know, to get back to me. And, you know, and then uh, they said, give us your phone number in case it disconnects. It disconnected. No one called me back. I mean, I mean, talk about disrespect. I mean, they really wasted a lot of time and it took a long time to get an appointment. You know, what is it about these companies? Is it the technology doesn't exist for them to do better? Or is it too expensive for them to invest in it? They don't understand it. They don't care about it. I mean, which of the things is it that that really is causing these companies to get away with this? It's a little of all of those. Some of it's process. Some of it is turnover in their own employee ranks. So everything takes a little longer because everybody's new. Some of it is just not believing that if they're faster, it will equal retention and revenue, which it will, but they don't believe that yet. Um, some of it is a overconfidence in their own marketing and sales teams that they can lose a customer and replace them easily enough that they don't need to invest in responsiveness up front. So there is no one answer. It's it's bits and pieces of all of those. But the reality is that they do not respect your time enough. And ultimately, you are going to seek an alternative if one exists. And, and so I mean, what we'll all learn those, the hard way someday. But all those things seem to have in common is that they don't care enough. Yeah. If they cared more, uh, they would deliver better. Well, and and yes, but but I think in fairness to companies, I, I don't believe many companies are inherently uncaring. What I do believe is that they haven't seen the ROI on caring, right? If if they if they knew what I know and you now know and listeners now know that if you are faster, if you're the first to respond, you'll get clients half the time. And that 85% of customers say that speed is a critical factor in their loyalty. And you actually modeled that out and made a business case inside the organization for how much revenue you would gain or keep if you acted accordingly, if you did everything you could to be faster, they would care because it would pay for them to care, right? So I think the, the reality is, as most people think they don't, it's not going to matter enough and that they can just replace the unhappy customers. Yeah. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion and we could probably go on for a little while more, but, uh, but you know, uh, this whole show is really about taking the inside track and doing the, the best, smartest and fastest things that you can do. And uh, really uh, it's about identifying uh, advantage players and advantage plays, which are the killer strategies that they employ that uh, really give them the competitive advantage that they get. And when, when somebody comes on the show and very few people are quite as succinct as you have been, uh, you came here knowing exactly what it is. Uh, that really, uh, to me, uh, makes you an advantage player. And I really appreciate you uh, you being here with us. And, and I hope that you'll stay a friend of the show and, and be available to us. Absolutely. Please grab yourself a book, jbearbook.com, uh, Kindle versions on Amazon, jbearbook.com for the soft cover. It's, it's, a, it's a very cool little book. It, uh, it's a quick Thanks. little read and uh, it's very smart. You know, one of the things I found so fascinating about this is, uh, you know, how to make your job more simple and it's a thousand pages long. <laughs> you know how many people write those kind of books? Well, that was, just, that was it, Joel. Like I, I sat down originally on this project. I'm like, all right, I got to write another business book. Uh, and 
I just, I, I got into it and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. I cannot ask you to spend six hours reading a business book about speed. I just can't do it. It doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, the reality is most people skim business books. So I just cut out all the fluff, gave you a short book that has all the content. Uh, it literally, uh, it's been out for a week or so. We have perfect five-star reviews on Amazon, 100% five-star reviews because people like this book respects my time. There you go. It's, it's, it's an awesome little book and, uh, and I'm enjoying it greatly. So thank Thanks. you very much uh, for sharing and being on the show and doing all the stuff. And uh, we'll stay in touch with you, okay? You've been listening to Your Advantage Play with your host, Joel Block. To learn more about how to work with Joel and cultivate your own high limit advantage plays, visit theadvantageplayer.com. Subscribe to Your Advantage Play wherever you get your podcasts.